They saw what Alzheimer's did to the family, that it wasn't a disease of one person, but it was the disease that impacted the whole family. Hi, I'm Bobby, a certified caregiving consultant, an educator, caregiver support group leader, and an international presenter on caregiving issues. And I'm her husband, Mike, and I'm a certified caregiver advocate and certified music therapist, and I've been published in an anthology of short caregiver stories. And this is Roger That, the podcast dedicated to guiding you through the heavy haze of dementia. Here we focus on the caregiver, offer practical insights, and share some emotional support. And we might even share a laugh or two, because we all know laughter is the best medicine. Absolutely, and you keep me very healthy, Michael. Give me lots to laugh about. You betcha that's my job. (laughs) (laughs) This episode of The Roger That Show is sponsored by Artists Senior Living, where everyone is committed to creating a more empowered care experience. That's called The Artist's Way. So what does The Artist's Way mean? It means celebrating the unique elements of every person's story and understanding that their dementia does not define them. It means creating a positive, compassionate atmosphere of opportunity, and above all else, it means caring for everyone with dignity and respect. So if you're looking for a true memory care partner and want to learn how Artist Senior Living can help you help your loved one live their passions despite diagnosis, call 240-534-3301 or visit ArtistSeniorLiving.com. That's Artists, A-R-T-I-S, SeniorLiving.com. You know, we've talked many times how faith played an important part of your caregiving years. I mean, absolutely. You know, I start and end every day with prayer, and then I go into reading. But, you know, in our, in our caregiving years, I spent a lot of time crying and a lot of time praying And for so many caregivers, when we're talking about self-care, a relationship with their faith is an important part of that. And that brings us to today's guest, who has spent most of her adult life as a caregiver. First for her mom, who was paralyzed by a stroke, then her father with vascular dementia, and then her late husband with Alzheimer's disease. These experiences inspired her advocacy for increased Alzheimer's funding for a cure and care. She was honored with the inaugural Us Against Alzheimer's Advocate of the Year Award in 2018. Please welcome Linda Everman. Hi, Linda. Hi, thank you for having me. We, we are so eager to have you here today, and you have so much experience in the various kinds of dementias and your outreach to caregivers. We definitely appreciate that. Tell me about Clergy Against Alzheimer's. <laughs> well, it's hard to tell you about Clergy Against Alzheimer's with out telling you a bit about my own caregiving experience. We would love that. Okay, so I'll start with that. Um, my dad was began to show signs of dementia in 1994, so almost 30 years ago. And um, at that point, I was in my 40s. I was um, pretty much at the top of my career with the University of California. I had a young teenager at home, and I can't ever remember that I even heard the word dementia. So, um, you know, it came as a total surprise to me. 
um, he, as it turns out, he had vascular dementia. Three years later, in 1997, my husband Richard um, was diagnosed with mild cognitive impairment, which um, years later progressed to Alzheimer's disease. So for, um, gosh, a combination of 18 years, I was a caregiver for my dad and late husband. And um, in those early days, as I said, I was so ignorant, although I was at the University of California where we had a memory care center where Richard was diagnosed. And so I had a lot of great um, educational opportunities there. But we didn't have the resources that we have today. We didn't have books and podcasts and webinars. And um, so it was a very lonely experience. Um, Subsequently, Richard and I moved to um, East Tennessee. And in 2009, I had to move him to um, assisted living which was um, the most wrenching decision I had ever made, the most difficult decision I had ever made. Oh, and by the way, during these years, I was, we were silent about our caregiving. So um, we weren't secretive, we were just silent. And, um, but about that time, I was involved with um, First United Methodist Church in Maryville, and they walked beside us. Um, They supported me. They didn't know Richard. You know, we had come from California to Tennessee, but they knew me. And and a couple of things happened. So um, around 2012, um, Pat Summit, who was the coach for the Lady Volunteers, was diagnosed. She was very well known in East Tennessee and in that part of the United States. And a local newspaper reporter came to talk to me. She asked if she could come and speak with me about dementia because she wanted to do an educational piece. And at first I was very reluctant because I was very private. But she came, and what um, started out as a one-hour conversation, um, she stayed all day. And she ended up doing, um, like Parade Magazine, three installments. I wasn't the only person she interviewed. She interviewed assisted living, she interviewed clergy, she interviewed other people, researchers. And um, those articles that she ran were picked up across the nation. On top of that, um, about that time, um, Ian Kramer of the LEAD Coalition, Leaders Engaged Against Alzheimer's, invited me to do um, an article that he shared with his coalition from caregiving to advocacy, and so I did. But it was really the experience of the people in my church family who caused me to think about what a powerful role clergy and congregations could play in advocacy, but not just in advocacy, in support, in education. Um, And so by that point, I had um, learned about us against Alzheimer's, and this all ties in. I mean, it it came from me being um, very private, not sharing my story, to almost overnight 
being um, a national spokesperson. And um, part of it started because simultaneously I was working on getting the Alzheimer's awareness and fundraising stamp. And so I wrote to all of the uh, organizations and members who were promoting the National Alzheimer's Project Act, which as yet had not yet been signed into law. And so I, I got to know a number of those leaders and corresponded with them. And so already I was part of Us Against Alzheimer's, and we had started a small network of advocates. There were like 10 of us who started, and you know a lot of them. You know uh, Michael Ellenbogen and Lori LeBay and Lisa Hirsch. Well, at any rate, that's when I thought, well, you know, really if we get men and women of faith involved, we can move this along so much faster. And so... um, we launched Corgi Against Alzheimer's in 2014. I'm sorry for the long-winded explanation. And it was intended to be clergy, laity, and faith organizations. And our goal, our purpose, was, first of all, to promote the dignity of the person with dementia. We wanted to dispel this empty shell myth. You know, we wanted to let people know that there was a person there. There was a person of value and worth. And we wanted to offer support to the care partners um, because it's such a, a spiritually, um, emotionally isolating disease. And um, we also wanted to push for advancements to prevent more compassionate treatments and eventually a cure for dementia. So we had lofty goals. A couple of years later, um, we're able to um, bring in uh, the United Methodist Church as a partner, Volunteers of America, the Balm and Gilead, um, just to um, get faith, spirituality, um, into human value and worth, love, caring for each other, the human elements the spiritual elements of this disease into the national conversation, and also to use our voices as advocates. So Clergy Against Alzheimer's, which morphed into Faith United Against Alzheimer's because it better describes it, um, has been active on the national scene to do such things as join with allies and partners in um, um, having pay, getting a reimbursement for your cognitive assessment, for pushing forward uh, issues on prevention. So a number of things like that. Wow. Um, <laughs> all I can say, you know, you, you have so, so many layers to this, and we can't thank you enough for what you're doing. And I'm absolutely fascinated about Faith United Against Alzheimer's or Clergy Against Alzheimer's because I know that Faith helped me through the caregiving years. They absolutely did. Um, I did a lot of crying. I did a lot of praying during that time. And I got some answers. I got some very direct answers, um, including uh, we went to to church one Sunday and I, I had been saying for weeks, why is it so hard? Why is it so hard to do good work? Um, You know, please God tell me why this is so difficult. And 
the priest got up in the pulpit to give a sermon, and he said, you know, I've been hearing lately from a number of people, why is life so hard? And I thought, okay, you heard me. Tell me what to do. And the answer was, nobody told you it was supposed to be easy, and that isn't what I wanted to hear. Um, But, you know, he also said, we all have challenges. We all have difficult times in our lives. And no, it's not supposed to be easy. But understand that when you're doing good, when you're serving other people, you're earning your place in heaven. So after hearing that, every now and then when Mike would come home from work and I'd be tapping my foot saying, where I used to be saying, guess what your father did today? And I was ready to vent. I would look at him and say, well, I earned my place in heaven today. (laughs) And he knew um, something had gone on during that day. Um, So absolutely. uh, And the fact that you've got the different faiths involved in this, that we're all serving people in the same way. And I believe, and I, Mike is, also, that we're here for service to others. That's that's why we have families. That's why we have communities. We're here to help each other. And I noticed on on Facebook that you were showing the stoles in the tallet yes. for used by different clergy. Yes, because I had thought of a tallet as as something having to do with the Jewish faith. It is. Um, but to see that you were offer, also offering them, you know, we could get them and give one to our local priest, something like that. Well, I'd love to tell you about the um, Alzheimer's Stoll Ministry and Talent Initiative. So first, let me back up. Our, our clergy against Alzheimer's um, is multi-faith and interfaith. And um, in around... I guess, 2018, 2019, um, my husband, Don Wendorf, and I, um, along with our partners um, at Cognitive Dynamics Foundation, Danny and Ellen Potts, applied for and got a grant to visit local congregations. And we wanted to educate these congregations just as... um, our own congregations had been so supportive of us. Uh, For instance, my husband Don's late wife had a form of dementia, and um, also she had um, both small and large strokes, which left her paralyzed. And he was still working at the time. They were in their 50s. Well, he called the pastor of their local congregation and said, I need help. And um, Don and Susan's pastor um, sent out the call and organized a group of volunteers who every workday for two years came to their home to take care of Susan while Don went to work. Wow. Um, with me, I was at First United Methodist Church in, in Maryville, Tennessee at the time with my husband Richard that they didn't know him. We had, as I said earlier, we had moved from California, but they knew me. They didn't know a lot about dementia, but I educated them. I mean, I don't know that I did it on purpose, but for instance, um, I was in the choir. Sometimes I was late for the choir because 
of an emergency, and they learned about that. Or on Wednesday night fellowship, I brought in speakers from the local Alzheimer's Association. And when there was an annual walk, I organized our church family to participate in that walk. Um, Or we were going out to brunch after uh, worship on Sunday morning, and in the middle of that, because Richard was now at assisted living, I might get a call, and I would have to get up and leave immediately. So they saw what what Alzheimer's did to the family, that it wasn't a disease of one person, but it was a disease that impacted the whole family. So... um, so anyway, um, Don and I decided that, and, and Ellen and Danny, that, you know, start where you are, work with what you have, that we would visit local congregations, that we would provide them with resources in terms of books and YouTube videos, not YouTube videos, but DVDs and other information and um, for education, support, and advocacy. And so... Um, we began to visit congregations, all faiths, whoever would see us, whoever would open the door and see us. And, um, and while we were visiting them, I began to notice um, on the back of the doors some of the pastor's stoles. And I have had—we're um, very involved in the expressive arts. Don is a musician, and I quilt and knit— And I've always had a fascination with the fabric arts. So I would ask about the stoles. Some of them were just so beautiful. And um, I remember one pastor, one young pastor, pulled out a beautiful white wedding stole. And as he was telling us about it, he was caressing the stole. And he was saying, "Um, this was given to me by the wife of my mentor, when he passed away. Mm-hmm. And another pastor would pull out a stole and say, I got this on my first trip to the Holy Land. And another pastor at an African-American church had his stoles on a beautiful rod all across his, um, in his office. And it, some of them had, like one was for breast cancer. It had pink ribbons on it. And he said, you know, I've been collecting stoles since seminary because a stole is a sacred liturgical vestment, and it is only to be worn by those who are ordained. And different congregations have different um, rules and regulations, if you will. So we began to think about what a stole uh, could, could convey, that fabric holds memories, basically. And we thought, that was so ironical that we're talking about the loss of memory and the pastors, priests, um, are, and are telling us that the stoles held memories. And um, also, our dear friend, Reverend Dr. Richard Morgan, who's now 93, um, had written in one of his books about the power of symbolism and that... Um, Things uh, like a stole, things like a rosary, uh, things like a, a cross or a nativity set, what, um, what that might elicit to people who in other ways may be uh, nonverbal or you might not be able to communicate in traditional ways. And so um, 
we began to think about what a stole. We weren't thinking about a talit as much then, uh, but our friend Rabbi um, Steve Glazer brought that up and uh, con- told me that you know you could make a stole-like talit for uh, a rabbi or a member of the Jewish faith to wear. Um, so and he actually drew out the dimensions and we made a pattern from that. But so anyway, we started to make stoles. And the first one, uh, of course, I gave the first two stoles to Reverend Dr. Richard Morgan, who at 93 is still um, caring for people with dementia and care partners, and to Reverend Dr. Cynthia Hewling Hummel, who is a pastor who is living with dementia. So you, you, Linda, actually make these? I've made about 160 of them. And um, I... Uh, uh, that's I, all? <laughs> that's well, all? Each <laughs> one takes about two and a half days to make. And I, I have written about it and, and written instructions because my hope is that other sewing groups would make them. Yeah. And um, one of our faith... United Clergy Against Alzheimer's Partners is Due West, Due West United Methodist Church in um, Marietta, Georgia. And they have an amazing website that is called Loving Through Dementia. And um, they have an action plan on their website. And um, number nine is the Stoll Ministry. So if you want to see some photos, um, you can... Um, go to their website and see about 20 of our uh, clergy members wearing their stoles. So the stole, the stole is a, tra- a traditional stole that is uh, pieced together, almost like, um, you can think of it in terms of quilt blocks, but I would choose um, fabric that is highly symbolic. That's pulling back the, the expressive arts and, and following up on what uh, Dr. Morgan said. So, for instance, I have purple ribbons because purple ribbons are not just Alzheimer's Association, but considered fairly universally a sign for Alzheimer's disease. Um, I might have uh, words of scripture, um, joy or love, or a fabric that says faith on it. Um, I have a, um, some blue forget-me-nots, which are a symbol, a symbol for remembrance. Um, I will, of course, uh, on the Christian stoles have crosses. I've made um, stoles for um, other denominations that are not specifically Christian and used their symbols um, such as a flaming chalice for Unitarian Universalist. Um, for our rabbis, of course, I would have um, Star of David and menorah, uh, peace doves. But um, the idea is that a pastor, priest, or rabbi, or an elder in the Methodist tradition might wear their stole um, on days of remembrance, or I've had them to wear them to memorial services for people with Alzheimer's, or I've had them to wear them um, when they have visited congressional members, or given a seminar, or uh, taught a class. So not just 
when they're fully decked out in their robes, but also as a symbol of advocacy. Uh, I think this this type of outreach is it's unique, it's interesting, it's soulful, it's spiritual, it's beautiful. And the fact that you you mentioned your husband is a musician, my husband is a musician, you get involved in the creative arts, I knit, I crochet. Um, for each one of my four children, I I made a blanket for them in the hope that when I'm not here, they'll take that and wrap that around them and feel a hug from their mother. And, you know, as I'm sitting there and I have long hair and some, you know, some strands of my hair get in there, there's part of me in there. Um, in this past Christmas, I did a pocket wrap for two of my granddaughters. And I told them, when you need a hug and I'm not here, put this around your shoulders. It almost looks like one of those stoles. And, you know, there's a there's that connection between granddaughter and grandmother through this. So I'm, I'm really very so interested in, in this soul ministry. And, you know, the, the fabric has a part of the person who created in there. Oh. And it has memories in there. I, so, so, yes, I, and I want to mention that. I have made um, a number of stoles um, that are even more deeply personalized. For instance, um, I have a dear friend in, I, I'm now in Birmingham, but I have a dear friend in Irvine, California, who recently lost her mother-in-law to uh, dementia. And um, she's a deaconess. I hadn't made a deaconess stole. I've made, I now have, but um, her mother was a seamstress. And so I asked my friend Sharon to go through her mother's fabric and send me some fabric that I could include in her stole. I've also made, um, I made a stole for a pastor whose loved one was a nurse and, um, and who played the piano. And so the fabric in his stole had a nurse's hat on the left side of the stole placed over his heart. And um, another pastor wrote to me and said, um, my dad was a handyman. He could fix anything. And so I found some fabric that had tools in it. <laughs> and the patch that is over her heart is um, our tools. So uh, if, if I know the person and I'm specifically making it for them and they have fabric or tell me something that is, um, you know, very personal about their loved one, then I can incorporate that. One of my, one of the first stoles that I made was um, for a young pastor who helped me so much with my late husband, Richard. And um, she actually, we had a private burial and uh, she was there and um, two other very close friends were with me. So Pastor Amy and um, Richard was a Marine and he was um, buried at a veterans cemetery. And Amy's husband um, is also former military and now has dementia. Well, in her stole, I included um, some patriotic themes. I included uh, stars and stripes. And I also had 
a couple of panels that were um, of very rural rural <laughs> churches because um, we were from a very rural part of East Tennessee. And I thought that it would remind her of the graveside service. So the, those kind of things. Uh, for my pastor in um, Irvine, um, her father had ALS, and so I put the blue and white ribbons of ALS into her pasture, into her stall. That's that's fascinating. I'm I'm absolutely mesmerized. <laughs> the backs of all of the stalls have a purple fabric. They're all different. And by the way, those stoles, there are no two stoles that are the same. I mean, I use a lot of the same fabric. Also, I introduce new fabrics and the placement of the fabric. And so it's so, it's kind of amazing to me that of 160 stoles, although there are similarities, there are no two identical stoles, just as there are no two identical advocates or caregivers. So um, the backs of the stoles are all purple. And if you fold them, it forms a purple ribbon. So I, there's, just, there's just an awful lot of symbolism. And the stoles are given with a blessing. The stoles, um, Reverend Dr. Cynthia Hewling Hummel, who I gave the first stole to, wrote a blessing of the stole and the um, past for the stole, blessing the person who wore it and the congregation. And so when we physically present the stoles, um, we will drape the stoles and read the blessing of the stole. And um, it's really very moving. Yes, I'm sure it is. You know, this is very, very fascinating, and this is something completely new to me. But um, I, I certainly appreciate your, your work. It's, it's absolutely amazing. But we would be remiss if, before we end the show, that we didn't talk about your role in getting the Alzheimer's stamp. Well, thank you so much. You know, and and uh, what I'd like to tell you about the Alzheimer's stamp is um, the Alzheimer's stamp is one of four semi-postal stamps that we have in the United States. The semi-postal stamp is an awareness and fundraising stamp, right. and um, Work on the Alzheimer's stamp began in 1999. It was issued in 2017. It took us um, close to 20 years to get this stamp. And uh, the advocacy for it was started by my dear friend, Kathy Seagans. Um, and I... There was a commemorative stamp first. First of all, stamps are um, really for collectors, by the way. But um, so anyway, it, it took, I, I can't even, thousands of letters and visits. Um, Kathy and I mounted a national multi-year campaign for the Alzheimer's stamp. And we got um, all of the major advocacy organizations to join us. Us Against Alzheimer's, Alzheimer's Foundation of America, Alzheimer's Association, the American Academy of Neurology, the National Association of Active and Retired Federal Employees, and, um, and members of Congress. Because to get a semi-postal stamp, 
literally is an act of Congress. Our stamp was introduced in the House eight times from 2005 on, uh, and in the Senate six times. And we finally got it through an almost um, obsolete uh, law that caused us twice to mount two more national campaigns to uh, change federal regulations. So a semi-postal, oh, now the, now the brief part, a semi-postal um, raises awareness and funds for a designated organization. Um, in the case of the Alzheimer's stamp, um, you pay a little more than first-class postage, and the extra uh, cents per stamp goes directly to the National Institutes of Health. So in the case of the Alzheimer's stamp, a sheet of stamps uh, is $15. Of that $15, $3.40 goes directly to the National Institutes of Health to um, fund dementia research for care, treatments, prevention, one day a cure. Um, to date, point seven million stamps have been sold, raising $1.2 million. Now, you think that's a lot of money. Well, it's a drop in the bucket. Um, we have, at best estimate, 16 million unpaid Alzheimer's caregivers. If each caregiver bought one sheet of stamps, we already would have raised over $54 million with these stamps. So it's very hard to get the word out. Um, the Alzheimer's stamp, uh, fall, the inspiration for it was the breast cancer stamp, which we've had since 1998. The breast cancer stamp, of course, we've had it since 1998, has raised $94 million for breast cancer research. So it has a tremendous amount of potential but it's very hard to um, to get the word out. Right. So the easiest way to purchase it is to purchase it, and it's simple, online at US, usps.com, type in Alzheimer's stamp, and uh, you can order it online. You know, it's interesting because I, I became aware of the stamp by accident uh, a few years ago. Ever since then, I've been buying the stamp. Thank you. I, I wanted to get that in before we ended thank you. Our, our, our show here. But Linda, thank you so, so much for being a guest on the show. Really, really appreciate it. And you've been an absolute delight. Thank you for having me. And I'm sitting here amazed about the number of people you have touched in your lifetime and what a blessing you are to so many. Thank you for everything that you do and being part of this, this program. So one of the things I got and, and I found very poignant is that she said that dementia is not a disease of one person. It affects the whole family and people don't realize that. Absolutely. For good or for challenge, uh, it it's definitely affects the entire family. And we would definitely be remiss if we didn't mention, we didn't get to it on, on the, during the show, that Linda was recognized by Maria Shriver as a woman of influence. And it's easy to understand why, hearing the story of how she has caused this ripple effect to go throughout the United States and possibly even the world. So God bless her. 
Absolutely. To find out more about Linda or to learn about our sponsor, Artist Way, visit rogerthat.show. This has been Roger That. I'm Bobby. And I'm Mike. And we are dedicated to guiding you through the haze of dementia. So please, subscribe to the show, go to iTunes and post a review, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question or issue you'd like for us to address, please post on the Roger That Facebook page. To find out more about us, head over to rogerthat.show. That's Roger, R-O-D-G-E-R, that.show. Roger That is produced by Missing Link, a media podcast company dedicated to connecting people to intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Also in the Missing Link lineup of podcasts is the Designated Drinker Show, the podcast raising the bar on craft cocktails. Here you meet interesting folks, enjoy boozy banter, and learn how to make craft cocktails from a master. And if you're looking for a whole new way to enjoy theater, check out Between Acts, an immersive audio theater podcast experience. Each episode takes you on a spellbinding journey through the works of newfound playwrights, from dramas to comedies and all those in between. Find Missing Link's League of Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe, download, and review the shows as your review helps our show reach new audiences. To find out more about Missing Link, visit missinglink.company.